0: Hello and welcome to You Set The Tone, the podcast that takes an x-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sharon.
1: My name is Ed. Uh, And I'm
2: Sean.
0: And today on the show we're talking about season two episode 21, Take These Broken Wings. I'm not going to sing it. Um, One thing I just want to point out It was directed by Anthony Edwards. Mm
1: -hmm. I saw that. That is quite
0: awesome. I love that. Um, But yeah, how is everybody this morning, this morning, this afternoon?
1: The clocks have changed, so we're all temporarily confused. That's actually true. Uh, I I am well, thank you.
0: Good, good.
1: Me too. I'm alive and wanting donuts because I'm alive. and That is is good.
0: It's true.
1: And Sharon, how are you?
0: Uh, yeah no i'm good too and speaking of donuts we we do have a uh, a link to donuts a little bit later that we will discuss so i like that i like that little mention yeah no i am well thank you very much and i am so ready and raring to talk about this episode it's as we said it's the penultimate of season two yeah and you know it's it's a big susan heavy one you know she, we had mm. a big susan heavy one before but this is i think even more and we were kind of discussing about mm. the fact that it's rare for ER to just focus on one doctor they do it but it's quite a rarity and yeah. this seems to be you know Susan's turn
1: definitely which I like I mean we've talked before about these last two episodes being a bit of a a slog but I actually yeah. re-watching this today for the podcast I was actually I, I quite like this episode and I liked the deep dive in Susan and and how she's struggling and how she's coping um, and it showed how good Sherry Stringfield is as well. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I know Sean isn't isn't on the same page as me. And you.
1: <laughs> I
2: just, Joe, I, I I agree with what I say. Sherry Stringfield is. She is excellent in these episodes. But it does feel to me that it's it, they're stretching this out a little bit. Mm. Um, not that it's a bad storyline. It's just. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the order that they're presenting the scenes in and not specifically this episode. Like this episode, yeah. I, I agree with you, right? She's excellent in this one. I do like the framing uh, of having her speaking to the off-screen therapist. Um, I might argue that it's slightly too many times in the episode. I think we revisited four times. Four I or five. agree.
0: I think it's too many.
2: But I think if we had start, middle, end. Yeah, that that, that might have been that might have been good, um, but really that's just um, Anthony Edwards completely failing as a director. More than...
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, has he directed much else? I, I don't know. It, it, this is well, no. Afterwards, so allegedly he left ER to concentrate on directing. Oh. Yeah, and this is the first of four episodes of ER that he directed. Yeah, um, so we we will we will allow him. And uh, sorry, uh, by the way, apologies for taking this conversation about Sherry Stringfield and turning it into a conversation about Anthony Edwards. Of I would course, fail. always
0: talking about oh. the men.
2: Yeah, I would about fail every Beckdell test that's possible. Every, <laughs>
0: yeah. all uh, of them, all yeah. twenty-two. Um, but yeah, as we say, you know, so we kind of we open on Susan. Uh, she's talking to a unseen therapist, a therapist we don't see, which I think we have a little bit of a theory about.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think well, we all agreed that she broke into the office and just was talking to the wall. Yeah, um, and then that's free. You know, you don't therapists. Cost, she mentions later on that therapists cost a lot. Do they really, Susan? If you're just breaking into the office and talking to his certificate or his or hers, erasing women Ooh. again, talking to their certificates.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> every every weekend. You're just just as bad, you Um, misogynist. We're not talking about me. We're talking about you.
0: (laughs) Anyway, um,
1: yeah, it's it's a good way to save money on the therapist is just not actually see them when they're in the office. Yeah, Yeah. that's
2: that's true. And maybe she's losing money by hiring uh, Loretta's kids and getting them to just distract people out on the street and just running (laughs) around like a mad thing, so she can sit in there have her hour session with herself, yeah. um, but is still spending money. So it's like, Susan, just, would you not just sit down with therapists, no? Yeah. And do all of the audience a favor.
1: I mean, yeah. how, much, how much would it cost to keep those kids entertained? It's like $10 each, that's $20, versus how many dollars for a therapist in the 90s?
2: Well, I don't know. It depends if they break that camera or not. I just did a little yeah. bit of reading there. That's a brand spanking new, only launched in 1995 camera. Like, wow. don't drop that, kids. You cannot yeah. afford to drop that.
0: <laughs> that, wow. Okay. Oh, a lot to unpack already. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, they have. we have this quite um so you know Susan's talking and then we kind of have this montage looking at her life and we see it kind of how lonely she is and she's in the bath alone and she's kind of on watching kids on the subway feeling very sad and I just thought you know that was that was really sad because it it must be so heartbreaking I know what it's like when I've looked after my nephew for a little bit and then I have to leave or he's going somewhere it just rips you know, away something in my soul. So I couldn't imagine being his sole carer for all that time yeah. for him to be completely gone. Um, but then she goes into a church. You know, a lady drops her scarf, and, mm-hmm. and and Susan goes into the church. And at first, I was a little bit like, "Oh, are they going to make it religious?" Like, "Oh, Mind a bit, off, yeah. bit." But you know, uh, she goes in and she starts speaking to the priest who comes over. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Weird, young kind of priest. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he kind of says, you know, can I help you? And Susan doesn't know, you know, and it kind of cuts mm. to her in the therapist's office. So you think maybe the therapist has possibly or the therapist of her mind has asked, can I help? and and nobody yeah. knows. And then we have the title music. So we've kind of, you know, set this scene of this lost Susan. Um, mm-hmm. Having therapy, feeling sad, she's made some connection with a priest. A christening is happening at this church, um, yeah. which is a bit of a punch to her as well. Again, you know, babies.
1: Yeah, I must say the oh. choir was beautiful. So yes. beautiful, totally. I um, love choral singing. The love church
0: it. was beautiful as well. Like yeah. I was like, that is majestic AF. Like, wow.
1: I'm, I'm not particularly religious. I'm sort of agnostic, but sometimes I've I've, I've felt very at peace in churches. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, they're just peaceful places like Lincoln Cathedral is one of my in my top five places on, on the planet. It's just such a relaxing place to be. But... Oh, yeah, But Just so to agree beautiful. with you, back
2: before the dark times when you know you were <laughs> able to travel and back before the thing that stabbed me in the heart uh, my mate was living in Paris for a year and so we were able to stay and I spent actually probably a weird amount of time just sitting in the Notre Dame Cathedral oh. Um, oh, and stunning. I'd either bring a notepad or it's just because everything about it between the light coming into the stained glass window yeah. is just yeah. such a such a peaceful place to be.
0: Gosh, that's beautiful. I like how you put in there that you've been to Paris and you're so much more cultured than us. All right, we get well, it. Let me tell you about this I time I was were, in the
2: Barcelona Sharon, Cathedral as well with all the uh, the uh, Gaudi, <laughs> Gaudi designs. Oh, that reminds me of a time I was in Boston. Even um, <laughs> <laughs> to- Sharon. Should we...
0: I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's take him to Notre Dame and kill him there.
2: Uh, Look, seriously, (laughs) you you want to do my funeral in Notre Dame Cathedral? You go right ahead. (laughs)
0: Um, I think I have to say my favourite church or cathedral that I've been into is St. Paul's. Uh, It's just breathtaking and beautiful and i i I walked up to the top on this really lovely sunny day and you could see kind of miles across london but what i loved about it is they have the the whispering gallery where somebody can stand on one side and they whisper Uh, to the wall and apparently you can hear it on the other side and i just thought that'd be a really brilliant place to propose so you know if anybody wants to propose that's a really great i'll
1: I'll mention that to john next
0: time i'm hanging out with you yeah carter please um but yeah, so you know, let, let we digress. We open on uh, Green, who is running the board, and Weaver sitting yeah. there doing paperwork, and they fall straight into an argument about yeah. Susan because Weaver's like, "Oh, yeah. trying to insinuate she's late," and I know, such oh, a she yeah. is. And I think this is just so uncalled for. And I really yeah. love that Green is like, "You want her to be late because you want yes. her not to." Yeah, he really yeah. calls her out on this. Yeah. Um, and then they have that beautiful touch because Weaver says. Oh, I don't pay attention to the little things. And then Jerry walks in behind. She's like, <laughs> Jerry, you're late.
1: Like, like, there are no, no breath and She says, I can't believe you think I keep telling anyone, Jerry, you're late. Straight yes. into it. And I'm like, <laughs> you look at the clock. She just knows. She's got the whole rotor and the timetable stuck in her brain.
0: Yeah.
1: And she knows exactly where everybody should be at any time.
0: She's a machine. Like, in a way. She is the ball queen.
1: She is. She is
2: the war She's cold as anything. But just on what you said there, she knows when everyone and where everyone should be at any given time, which is probably something the head of the ER <laughs> should know. Yeah, yeah. Like, she oh my god, yeah, something's but, gone down. Well, I know that you know Dr. Yeah. Ross is in Curtain Four and should be at this time. Which means now I have a ped's case. Grand, let's go get Dr. Ross. And to do that, I need Jerry to call him. Which means Jerry should be out of there. The hell
1: is Jerry? <laughs> Yeah, resistance is futile.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well, when Lydia comes over and she's got great news. Oh, yeah. Well, she's Probably, got weird yeah. news and then great news. You know, yeah. they're bringing in somebody who's basically, do they call him a gawk? Is that what the, the yeah, term like, is? Yeah.
2: He's dead, yeah. but because he's been, he went into the water, they have to warm him up to pronounce him. Otherwise, yeah. he could theoretically, I mean, you hear stories of like fr- froze, freezing victims who, up to a crazy, crazy amount for yeah. human tissue. I mean, have effectively come back to life. <laughs> the yeah. entire science yeah. between cryogenics relies on that being a thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there is. There's a temperature where the water in your cells crystal, you know, freezes. Right. But it happens so quickly that it doesn't affect higher brain function or something like that. So you warm them up, oh. and they are no Wake longer a corpse. they are, you know fine i mean there, there is a there's obviously a limit to where the permanent damage to the cells happens because you know water expands when it freezes exactly, so your cells yeah. would rupture but um mm. but yeah it's um it's it's an interesting uh, little alleyway in medicine that one
0: i bet um you know so that yeah we have the grim news that that this person is coming in that they have to warm up to then pronounce but also lydia's engaged to officer Al, Woo! not to be Confused okay. with Al Boulay, different oh, Al. That. Um, yeah, well,
1: that's another gruesome too <laughs>
0: um, So yeah, that and you know she shows the ring. She says that Al obviously wanted to give her his mom's, but you know the mom is
1: <laughs> still, still alive. alive. Um, <laughs> well, that's hilarious.
0: And it, and it's great because uh, you know Lydia is showing Calais her engagement ring as well uh, later, yeah. and she kind of does it over the bo- the dead body, which. It's like, oh, <laughs> of respect, a really lads. Weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is weird, but at the same time, then you had Mark and uh, Susan bickering across the call. Weaver we-
0: about Susan. I see what you were going for. It. Have you even I'm watched there. this
1: show, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> have well, like, I don't know what's wrong with names with me. You were yeah, right me about me calling you Susan, but again, it's of the, you know deep respect and admiration I have for both of you. Thank you. I haven't called me Susan yet. Well, no, <laughs> I haven't.
2: Loud and clear there. <laughs> loud and was clear, that? Al. Loud and clear. What uh, was that, Romano? Sorry. Got I you? mean, yeah, Sean. Sorry. That's all right. I can do something Romano can't do.
0: <laughs> He's waving his arms.
2: <laughs> that was a full Mexican wave
1: style.
0: It was.
2: I'm really quite proud of that. And I really think that will come across the audio perfectly.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks, yeah. listeners. We're really
1: at home in this medium, aren't we? <laughs> Mr. Experience yeah, you're right.
0: You know, Weaver and Green are kind of having an argument over this yeah. you know, body to the point where Haley has to say, look, you guys, I know. need to pronounce him like, once you... And sh- the thing is, they're trying to do it really... Um really secretive, aren't they? Well, that yeah. doctor, uh, yeah. you think this about that doctor and Haley, you know, her usual kind of self, comes in and says, once you've finished arguing about Dr. Lewis, can we pronounce him? And it's just brilliant because it cuts right to the quick. You two aren't as clever as you guys think we are. Uh, you are. And also do your freaking jobs.
2: Yeah. And I, this is the first, I think this is the first time Weaver basically says out loud, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours.
0: Yes. Yes. Um,
2: yeah. Which is like, I mean, can't massively blame her for that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's right, but, yeah, okay. Can't blame her for that. You see an opportunity, you take it.
1: I mean, it's not our first experience of of Kerry, the the mover, the political animal, but it's it's so blatant, I think, in some ways in this scene. It does set up that relationship in the future that she will make deals and she will politic around the hospital to get what she wants.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Which again, like Sean says, you can't blame her, but at the same time, it's, it's a... I, I, I don't like that kind of behaviour, I find that grim, but...
0: Yeah, I, I wonder how we'd feel, or if we'd notice as much if it was a man. I'm just putting that out there, I'm not saying that we okay. No, no, potentially. I just wonder. Yeah. Would you just know wonder. what
2: actually you were saying? I think a good comparison would be, and this is in Kerry's favour, Compare her to Count Vucelich, right? Yeah. Hmm. Because Kerry also completely understands the need to bring the money into the hospital. And, you know, she knows how to play the game. But I don't believe Kerry would publish a report leaving out information. But I think once it's out there, she wouldn't report it.
1: Oh, okay.
0: You know what I mean? I don't think she would
2: do the crime, but she might not necessarily report the crime if it was a yes, but you see the hospital is going to get 10 million because of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could yeah. see a point, but definitely I could see her doing that. But at the same time we see a lot of it and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we see her in later episodes. She's also really interested in science. Mm. Do you know what I mean? She sees it as a, it's a balance between medicine and science. So she loves her studies and she's always trying to start new studies. But I think again, there's a bit of an exposure thing. She's, you know, it's, it's good for her to publish a study. Yes. So, I think yeah.
0: sometimes that's where it can get difficult with her, though, because, you know, you wonder, is it that she loves science and wants that, that's the reason for the studies or mm. is it the glory? I mean, it's, it's yeah. probably a bit of both, but, yeah. you know, you could kind of look at that and be a bit like, oh, it's all about kind of her ego rather than yeah. possibly just some of the way she behaves, I mm. guess. Um, speaking about icky behaviour, we've got, we've got Doug running next to mm. Karen. They're on a jog. Um, together so they're still together fun times but then uh, uh, to add kind of insult to injury Doug says to her like, starts bringing up his father like oh is this what you and Ray do and it's like why are you underlining it so much
2: yeah Doug one more crack like that we're going to talk about making you a little brother
1: (laughs) 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 oh my god
0: (laughs)
2: Uh, it's just, I mean, yeah, no, technic- technically, technically, not doing anything wrong, technically, but also it's just weird and icky. It's ep. so
0: weird. And to keep bringing it up, that's what to me is just like, m- makes me start to wonder if Doug is kind of getting off on it the fact that, you know, he is sleeping with his his dad's girlfriend or dad's plaything or whatever, you know, because he seems quite fixated on the whole dad.
2: Yeah. Oh, I've just thought of something awful. Oh,
0: oh, no, this is going to be terrible. Listeners, hold,
2: hold on to your hats, guys. Do you reckon he makes some call? He makes her call him daddy during. Oh, uh, Sean is Ferrick. I know, I know, daddy or just Ray for short. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're speaking from experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Ray is wonderful. That's
1: all I'll say
0: okay okay <laughs> um and Karen hurts herself <laughs> yeah yeah Karen hurts herself um which I think is God punishing her am just gonna put that out there um you know and then but then Doug's really tender with the you know he looks he yeah. looks at the he looks at her kind of injury and you do see this little tender moment between them which you know take it the way you want to take it um I'm gonna probably be sick about it but you know other people might find it cute no. no no No. It's, um, yeah, the,
1: the
0: whole thing is grim. It gets grimmer. Oh. Yeah. No. Um, so Susan, cut back to Susan. She's gone to daycare to to pay the bills that that are outstanding. Um, you know, uh, the daycare's empty, which is probably a bit of a kind of grace because then she's not having to see all kind of the children and really uh, yeah. hit home. That Susan, uh, little Susie, isn't there. Um, the harried daycare center worker walks out and says, "You know, to her to come back later to pay." She's got to go. They've got a day trip out, and and then Susan kind of looks at the empty cubby, and she looks at the yeah. artwork, and she spots she spots little Susie's little handprints art artwork up there, and it's yeah. oh, it's a sad moment.
2: It is, it is. and it's like it's. You know, it's one thing. I think this episode does a good job of those little, almost intrusive, um unexpected moments. Susie's handprints. There's a the the teddy later on. It's yeah. these things yeah. like just because little Susie's gone, yeah. doesn't mean Susan then went out to the skip with all of her stuff straight away. Yeah, you know mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, She's not an ex-boyfriend. It, exactly. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't have to go and purge. You yeah. Know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because hopefully and Susan sort of you know mentions her like later on like if the relationship can stay positive between her and Chloe then there's nothing to say Susie won't come and spend holidays with her or something you know exactly yeah but there's just this initial one of you turn a corner and there's you know a pacifier sitting on the counter or yeah. there's, oh, the bottle that fell down behind the sofa and I meant to get that and this is, and it's rough and it is, it's done very well in this episode, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, and for me, a little bit of extra excitement because I have my first E-H-I-B-E-R of the episode um, and that is the daycare worker, Dottie, who is played oh. by Emily Corroda who is, if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, you will know her as Mrs. Kim, who is one of the most kick-ass <laughs> women yeah, at one point. In Gilmore Girls, she does ask very angrily to Lorelai. She does say to Lorelai, you let women ride. You don't make women ride side saddle on the horses because that's how old fashioned she is. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, Emily Corroda, who is brilliant as Mrs. Kim.
2: I need to finish that show. I've only started season two. It's very good.
0: It's so brilliant. It's, never watched it. It's my favourite thing. It's quite, it's quite charming. <laughs>
2: Uh, I believe it's been remastered. Netflix doesn't have the remaster. Um, it's like, it's fine. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with the picture, but you know, when you know there's a remaster out there somewhere, you're like, oh, I must watch that. You version. want to see that.
0: Actually, yeah. the um, the Gilmore guys who did a podcast about the Gilmore girls um, talk about that a lot. They talk about, the different versions and all the kind of the go into kind of the, the techie side of it. Um, But yeah, sorry, huge Gilmore Girls fan. I will always be here. Wave. And we've got, we, we do have a few in this, season. not this season, this series, a few crossovers from Gilmore Girls, which will be coming up, which I will always squeal about. Um, (laughs) Then Susan kind of cuts to back. We kind of cut back to Susan in the therapist chair, talking about little Susie's birth and, and, and there's a moment where, like, she says, Chloe says to her, you know, we did it together. So right from the beginning, Susan had a bit of ownership of little Susie. Yeah. It, it, this isn't just like an aunt who's kind of sees the, the kid every other day. You know, she was there at the birth. She was part of the reason, you know, the birth was good and healthy and all of that. And I just thought that was that's quite an important thing, I think, for them to discuss.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she says it It was our baby. Do you know what I mean? And it yeah. was, in a lot of ways. You know, they were yeah. co-parenting. Well, co-parenting. Susan Co-parent. parenting yeah. and Chloe
2: yeah. and
1: Like, oh, it's...
2: It could have been a great triumph story of if if Chloe had stuck around, of Chloe battling her demons. Obviously, Susan having to do the lion's share of the work, at least in the beginning. But Chloe left. And that's, yeah. I think going forward in the rest of er and what we learn about chloe and you know kind of things that happen down that road it's very very hard to ever forget chloe left yeah you know
0: yeah Um, i agree um and then loretta comes in loretta is brought in um she's she's completely yeah she's been brought actually in by an ambulance this time she hasn't just walked in off the street and she's strapped down and she looks really ill and Green's there straight away to kind of look after her um and you know she's obviously worried about her two kids because she's a single mother and she's in quite a bad way this storyline's one of those like that I think ER does really well with some characters they bring in a character as like a short arc or a little story mm. on the side with a, with one doctor and this is one of dr <laughs> greens and I, I don't know i just think it's really sweet the way he kind of looks out for her and later we find out he's going to be actually looking after her kids while she's in surgery and you just he kind of goes a bit above and beyond um yeah. with her doesn't he
2: it's like in another universe they clicked so well, you know, maybe if not a romantic couple, then certainly you can imagine them being best friends or
1: something. Yeah,
0: yeah I agree.
1: You know. Uh, I was just thinking as she was laying down in the in the hospital bed and she's got a tube up her nose and she's so distraught and worried about her kids. I was just thinking about comparing her with the kind of kind of quite sassy, you know, tough woman she was yeah, exactly at the start. Yeah. And how much we've seen, so she had this exterior of being a, you know, a, <coughs> a hooker with a heart. I, I, I want to use a better phrase than that, but you know what I mean? That kind of, that well, brassy... That's how she was introduced. Like, yeah, in yeah. To you. yeah. Um, Definitely. And then, you know, she, her, character, her character through maybe, what, seven or eight appearances, maybe? Mm. Ten max? We've actually, we know so much about her just from very very short little bits here and there through yeah. her diagnosis and through her treatment. and uh, Yeah, I, I think this is another example of how well-written they, they, the characters can be. Yeah,
0: yeah. I completely agree. Um, Carol stumbles across Susan, or scares mm. Susan, who's hiding in the drug closet. Is she contemplating an overdose? We don't know at this uh-huh. moment. Um, and, uh, you know, if Susan drops the piece of paper with little Susie's handprints on and Carol says to her, you know, if, if you need me, I'm there for you. Susan's quite dismissive of her though. She's like, no, yeah. because I think she's just, it's just too painful.
2: Just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's not ready to open that Pandora's box to yeah. somebody who isn't a blank wall.
0: Yeah. yeah. You
2: know, um, exactly. I think the closest she comes obviously is with Mark. But Mark already has yeah. that in, you know, they, they, yeah. they do talk about this yeah. stuff.
0: They do they do and I think we haven't really seen Carol and Susan together as much this season as we have the first this is kind of one of the yeah. first scenes for quite a while and so I don't know if that's trying to say something about their relationship a little bit or possibly um, Maybe. but hey, you know
1: you're right you don't see them paired up very often do
0: you no
1: Apart from you know, yeah, when there was sunbathing on the roof in the Tarantino, just I thinking think.
0: the same thing. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> uh,
1: the last time we saw them, their
2: lovely bare feet filling the screen. <laughs> I was like, oh Quentin, please, mate, please. <laughs> you know, change their own, but come so on. So obvious. Uh, um,
0: but so th- I thought that was like a little interesting kind of comment on that fact, uh, and then we follow Carol and she finds Riley and Um, they kind of obviously talk turns to Shep, Riley says he's been to the investigator, he's told him what's happened, and Carol is so mean to him, she says, you know, you're being so, she's really, she gaslights him, she's like, you don't know, you haven't been on the job as long as Shep, you don't know what kind of pressures there are, really talks down to him, and luckily, Riley really does hold his own, and he's just like, you know, I know that that's not what it is to do the job i know that that's yeah. not how you do it. Yeah. i don't care what which way you cut it he shoved that guy yeah he's, he's good up, right. on him
2: he's absolutely yeah. and it's weird you're kind of like, because when you think of how riley was introduced as certainly seemed a lot younger than he seems yeah now. and he's so friendly and everything and what yeah. was the worst thing you say about say about him at the start is ah, he was a little bit clumsy but he wanted yeah. to help he yeah presumably most paramedics want to help you know what i mean yeah. um and Shep seems to have broken him.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: You know, and it's, that's a massive shame. Out of everything in this season, that's a shame.
0: It really is, as you say. He comes in, he's bright, he's sprightly, he looks young. He yeah. looks like he's aged. He looks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's really been through it because, as we were discussing in the last season, uh, sorry, the last episode, we've only seen snippets of what he's probably been through with Shep. You Know we we see little bits, but what we're having to imagine is all the other stuff he did, all the other things and ways that Riley has seen him behave, and he's finally had the strength and the courage to stand up and say, This isn't right. Yeah, and um, I just thought, Oh, I just Carol, I I struggle with you. I do, I struggle with you in this episode.
1: She, yeah, she said something about um, oh, when you get down off your moral high horse, yeah, well, surely she's deflecting, isn't she? Yeah, yeah it's just. This is Carol who is really moral, isn't she? Yeah,
0: that's why it's so weird. And it's like, (sighs) it—it's. I'm not necessarily saying it's bad writing because, you know, people do sometimes change when they're in relationships that aren't that good for them. And I think she definitely feels a lot of guilt and, what's the word, kind of responsibility for Shep. Mm. And so, you know, she feels you know she attacks in that sense and I can see that from that point of view being a loyal girlfriend but I guess uh, I don't know I think it's just I think because we see Riley basically uh, we've seen Riley be put through everything Riley's been put through and for Susan to turn around and and say to him that it's him not Shep it's just it's really hard to watch
1: it is. It's. It's just not the work. The best of Carol is it at all? And oh. and then Shep comes along and and they're talking about what they're going to say and and they're basically they're, they're perjuring themselves, aren't they?
0: Absolutely. Like, they've, they've
1: got a story the, together.
2: That's the problem because Shep, in his own warped little mind, genuinely believes he yeah. used appropriate force. Yeah. Like yeah. the world and its wife knows it was excessive. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And Carol is only struggling with all of this because by agreeing with Riley, she has to go against Shep. And yeah. up until thankfully there is a moment in this episode, she seems to have just been nope, absolutely I'm mm-hmm. not going against this man. You know, for whatever reason he makes me happy, you know, I'm not yeah. going to do anything to rock that boat. Again, thinking of Tag, you know, Captain yeah. Land. Um
0: Dr. Beige Dr. That's beige it. that's it
2: but um, Shep I mean for all of his many 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 many, many, many failings Shep is exciting Shep is yeah. you know I'll, I'll alive you a... isn't he yeah. exactly but it's that live wire goes across everything and if he's angry that live wire is as dangerous as he is joking as he is romantic yeah. and it's yeah it is a toxic relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the fact that they include the scene where he's talking to Carol about what she's going to say, it really, it really hammers home to us as the audience that she is going to lie for him because she is preparing it. It's not that she did see it or that she wasn't sure, and so she backs him because she believes in him and trusts him. You know, you really see that she is part of this kind of duplicity and. And again, you know that's a really tough thing to see with with, uh, Carol being because of, you know, she's been the moral. She's been so moral and lovely and wonderful and caring and all of those things. And and she's just turned this season. She's been quite quite tough, you know, to watch. And I don't think Shep is good for her. I think we all know that though. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Doug and Carter are still working together, and they treat a girl, a young basketball player called T.C.
2: I know. And she's she's lovely in an annoying way. She, she, <laughs> she comes in yeah. and the only thing she's concerned about is her basketball game. And that's fine. Yeah. That's totally believable. Yeah. And she's absolutely, she's both aware of her situation and ignoring it completely because yeah. she's only 10. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not eight. That's where Pee Wee goes up to. <laughs> she's 10. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah she, you she take she your do. stupid little kids and get <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And the name is PC, which is like, PC, in America, they have these, PC. you know, these initials as, as like names. And it always reminds me of in the X-Files when um, Mulder, when there's a woman called BJ. And I'm like, really? And he, says, I, and he says, oh, by the way, I can't wait to meet a woman called BJ. And it's, oh, just, it's just a really <laughs> weird moment in the X-Files. But yeah, I, it's a, definitely an American thing, isn't it? Calling somebody yeah. by their initials like that.
0: Yes, AC Slater.
1: Oh, I mean, also, I mean, he was a fairly toxic
2: example of masculinity, but nowhere near as much as Zach was. That's a no. whole other pod. <gasps> well, Edward, are you, <laughs> are you saying that you don't know who AC
1: Slater and Zach Morris are? I've heard I, I, <gasps> only through like Sharon's tweets about it.
0: Oh my god!
1: I never, is this, um, oh, Saved by on. the Bell? Saved by the Bell, yeah. Um, I
0: can't, I don't know how to speak tip short. You're going to have to translate because I can't. <laughs> That then my friend,
1: Holly, Yeah, my friend Holly the other day said that she, she didn't know what The Wonder Years was and she'd never watched it. I was like, you I'm don't out. know about The Wonder Years?
2: Well, no. Okay, there's one thing. We did watch The Wonder Years when we were, like, I don't know, I was only small. Probably when it was on for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. But because we watched it then, I don't really remember it very well.
0: Same. Same. I remember bits, but not much
1: so, I'm glad I've deflected that. Um,
2: uh, <laughs> well, that no, so, yeah, so
1: be sure to join us for our new
2: podcast where we go through every single episode of Save by the Bell and we school Ed on what an absolute, my God, that show was not like. It's, I mean, when you look back on bits of it now, you're just like, all right, so Zach Morris, like gaslighting Zach Morris is thy name, but yes. also complete psychological abuse of women. Oh, really I, oh yeah Look, like it's all if, and it's a comedy yeah
0: i don't know if you it, so there's two things um one thing is there's this guy out there called dashel driscoll who created this kind of um i think it was a youtube some content for youtube talking about zach morris being a, a what, it, zach what does he call zach morris is trash it's so <laughs> good so no now him and mark Paul gosal who played zach morris my first love and still is um yeah sorry i would Him above Carter, I'm putting that out there. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. And they actually do a podcast called Back to the Future where they basically look at each episode and talk about it because Mark. Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Oh, I have to. Sorry, I have to get that podcast
0: now. It's so good. And basically, because Mark Pogarsa can't remember at all the filming, he remembers bits, but not really, and he's never watched it. So they basically watch each episode and they address all of these issues. They talk about how. Toxic Zach is and how awful the things that happen in it are and how they can't believe that this was what it was like and for, for kids and it, it's a really good listen if you're a fan of say bother oh, Bell
1: oh well, he's really good looking so anyway annoying. but yeah, yeah. yeah that does yeah it's a bit like how I met your mother we we look back at that and that's just grim isn't it like so grim. Barney's playbook and oh. and all those kind of tricks he used to play and isn't that awful that because like it, it, some shows.
2: Some shows will wear it on their sleeves and they're like, no, no, yeah. we know these characters are awful. That's kind of the... I believe, although I haven't seen it, I believe Seinfeld was like that. Like, you know that they're not good people. Um, same, I'm not sure Seinfeld was massive over this side it of the pond.
0: Was it not the way it was in America? And I think. Yeah. And I think... It was a bit before Friends, so when I kind of came of age when Friends was big, okay. and so I watched Friends. But I was probably too young when Seinfeld kind of was okay. bigger. I, I think things like Arrested Development and It's Always Sunny in Californ- yeah. uh, sorts so of Philadelphia, not California. Um, those sequel. do, yeah, <laughs> those do that really well. That oh, kind yeah. of.
1: I was just going to say,
0: irredeemable people yeah. that. So even when you look back now, you're like, well, they are. So when Dennis yeah. has his Dennis system, which is hideous towards women, the you can't. He... And the implication, yeah, oh, you know awful. that he's awful. So it's it, it, it... that kind of ages a bit better than than some of the other stuff that's trying to be quite.
2: Well, even Friends has aged quite badly. Very yeah. badly. That's yeah, a lot, a lot of the stuff they come out, of... and I mean, I'd say all three of us we were sitting there howling with laughter at mm. some of these jokes. At the time. Yeah, it's
0: true. Chandler's dad,
2: that entire storyline. Oh, I know,
0: I know. And even Ross, like the way he is with Rachel, you know, it's quite, you know, he's quite controlling and very, Mm. you know, a bit stalkerish. And and at the time it was like, oh, look how romantic. And now you're just like, God, get away from him. And I have to say, I put my hands up the Gilmore Girls have some jokes in it, which are hideous. And you look back and you're like, oh, cringe, oh.
1: Um,
0: But you know, we, we move on, you know, we, we're yeah. growing,
1: uh, but yeah,
0: um, free plug there, Mark Poggle, so you better come on this show to talk to me. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, please,
1: please, yeah. We'll recast um, in the reboot, it's fine.
0: Yeah, oh God, oh God, <gasps> who would I be with? Him or, yeah, I would be with him.
1: Oh, but, um, we have a whole storyline, like, you've written season one for me, like, thank you, like
0: season
1: yes. 16, but yeah.
0: We smashed it. We smashed it. It's cool. We smashed it. Yeah. Um Shall we well, talk about ER we'll, again? Let's talk. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah, it's Medical
2: show. Yeah.
0: Oh yes, that. Um, you know, uh, Iris comes in, uh, who is the lady that oh, Dr. Green yeah. has been seeing. She brings in all her equipment. She's been filming a cat commercial, and she's now sneezing because she's allergic. And this is where the aforementioned camera gets yeah. into the ER mm. that Loretta's kids stumble upon. And you said it was quite a high tech, you know, very yes, new.
2: It was, yeah, it launched in 1995. Wow. So it would have been. So the, I think this episode's 96, isn't it? So it's yeah. pretty close, you know. And that's, you know, the fact that she's obviously a filmmaker. Yeah, okay. You can understand why she would have this thing. The kids yeah. absolutely should. Do you know what I'm just thinking? Carter going up and, and spooking <laughs> them yeah. could have cost the yeah. hospital a mm-hmm. lot of money.
0: Honestly, uh, what was he thinking? He just yeah. crawls up behind them while they're filming Lydia and Officer Al, you know, kissing yeah. um, in the drug cabinet. And and yeah, he just shouts, doesn't he? And they could have so quickly and easily dropped yeah. that onto the floor and smashed its smithereens. But Lydia and um, Al
2: could have knocked over a whole bunch of medicines. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly
2: are. well in fairness Carter himself learns later on that getting a big shock inside one of the rooms in the ER doesn't always end with happiness does it
0: <laughs> oh why <laughs> why Sean why are you doing this to me
2: <sighs> oh I love David Krumholtz anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. oh uh, Ed have you now. just got it there oh. we go because it oh. was just looking at you Ed Ed's, Ed's not reacting to this at all no okay yeah that's great yeah okay there we go yeah yeah
0: <laughs> right. So the kids are going around the ER and they are filming different people and basically you know. just getting into trouble. The thing I was a bit like, "Wow, how did they figure out how to work that camera?" Because it looked quite. kids? You know, they're very, very small. I suppose well, kids I always. Think kind of Skywalker a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's true. built
1: a droid when he was that age. So yeah,
0: this is nothing to him.
1: He created sentience.
0: <laughs> that's that's life. <laughs> um. And then the, the Weaver, you know, the Weaver Susan storyline really comes to a head with the next case. Mm. A little baby is brought in; she's not breathing. Oh, yeah. um, Weaver is very on top of Susan. Susan's obviously trying to do her job, and Weaver's kind of on top of her because she's so obsessed that Susan won't be able to hack it, and that Susan's too involved emotionally. And And for me, it was interesting because I couldn't tell if Susan was involved, involved emotionally and not able to do it for that reason. Or if it was because Weaver was basically on top of her and using every little flick or moment to kind of unseat her and unnerve. You know, if you keep telling somebody they're going to fail at something or if you're looking at for, for failure. Yeah
2: yeah if you look for if you look for basically it's it's like that if you look for something hard enough you will find it whether that is oh sorry you've used a better example there exactly if you look for failure you're going to find failure because somebody won't put the pen in exactly the right place and order or someone's gonna i don't know leave a cloth inside someone and sew them up again
0: yeah 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 exactly um and then she kicks her. You know, she takes over from her and kicks her out of the room, which she's been dying to do. Let's be honest; she yeah. is just ready for this to happen. She was waiting, and I, I hated it. <laughs> I felt yeah. for Susan.
1: It was a step too far by Weaver, and and, and later on, she does console her when um, <clears throat> we discover that this little kid has got the classic injuries of being shaken, and he's
0: essentially yeah.
1: an abused child, which is you know horrific and Susan comes in kind of we've not seen her this fired up for a while. It's true mm. Mm. she literally
2: comes in bad out of hell kind of stuff uh, because she can see straight away what's happening. this kid's being abused. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And she is desperate to be able to solve that problem now, and yes, maybe some of what is going on in her life has been brought in. but I want to point out that she is not the only doctor that does that, but she seems to be yeah. the only one who gets penalized for that at this point um, and yeah, she, a woman. honestly, I think weavers just i think Weaver is just very, very jealous, and I think this is a way for her to kind of keep susan down because actually if susan carried on at her full potential she could probably eclipse her as a as a as a doctor and you know and then then we also we see the limits we've assessed her yep this is as much as we can do i've called the the social workers i've done this you know and susan's very much but but can't we do more? I want an answer. I want to solve this. Mm. And and it's that age old actually there's you can do so much and then you have to let go. Um and that's that that must be really tough because I imagine you see lots of different cases and you're okay and then one just comes in one day and that's it. And we've seen that happen. Yeah. And we see that happen time and time and again with different doctors, don't we? You know, there'll be a certain patient that all of a sudden, and this one is Susan's, but yeah, but you know, we uses that as a reason to downgrade susan and say that susan it, it, she kind of uses it as her like this is my example now that susan yeah. is terrible and not right for the job um she,
1: she does put her arm around her as well do you know what i mean she is she does console her and she's she i does, feel like she yeah. steps away from management handbook spiel into two people connecting with each other because carrie can actually see what's going on with susan
0: yeah it's a real switch on her part yeah. that i don't know if we've seen enough before I think we've had a couple of touches of it but it is a real moment where she becomes human for a second and is like treats her very well um and then you know Susan even brings that up doesn't she with the therapist she says I've got to give it to we you know she she hangs in there she's there and you see this kind of begrudging mutual respect possibly forming um, yeah and then doug meets karen for lunch and i throw yeah. up my lunch because it's <laughs> too much uh especially because so we find out you know ray's in mexico he's run off with her money yeah. doug is obviously not being very sympathetic he's he's kind of more interested in ray returning and yeah and then that's when they argue karen says to, you know are you using me to get back at your dad and this is where i'm like yeah, it's I think you're fair is. questions. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what happens if you step in the middle of fractious fighting father-sons mm. and you get sexually involved with both. I just I don't think there's an innocent way to do that. I think you will always be used for that.
1: Yeah. It's Yeah, it's it's like I said last week, this season could have ended there and we wouldn't have to experience any more of this gruesome twosome. Yes. Um, And this whole. It doesn't benefit the
2: story. I mean, this entire plot line is a bit like. It's almost as if someone went, Doug didn't really have much to do this season, did he? (laughs) You know what I mean? And what could have been. I feel they could have handled the return of Ray not only better, but in a more interesting way yeah I agree you know um like no problem with Ray coming back, and yeah, it turns out he 's a bit of a shyster, you know yeah. that's that's fine, but did it really have to get as icky as this
0: exactly they do they have to get involved this way, and I just feel like she's a bit stupid to be not realizing that that's what would happen if you would get involved with. Oh, anyway, it my lunch has gone. Um yeah. yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. much. Um so like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Carter and get my get get it back. Yeah, um yeah. him and him and Benton are looking after TC and kind of discussing basketball. We know Carter's knowledge is very limited. Um mm. and it, which is sweet. I love seeing Carter with kids. He 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 I think mm. would have also made a really good pediatrician.
1: He is really good with kids. He was good with the kid, with um, Loretta's kids. I know he, he did nearly break the camera, but he <laughs> yeah. knew what to do. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. It's like, we know he's from a biggish family. I bet there's been lots of nephews and nieces and cousins and stuff around. I bet he, he gets how to talk to them.
0: Definitely. He is definitely father material. Isn't
1: he? <laughs> yeah oh really Sharon have you been uh, just
2: uh, just double checking there um, and it's it's wonderful as well that uh, you know his entire plotline where he ends up as a dad goes off without a hitch
1: so yeah. he True. Is... True, yeah.
2: yeah yeah absolutely um Benton gets a human moment when he kind of right chimes in nearly on what was it pc says oh, no I'm showing my own lack of knowledge but anyway she speaks about the team and yeah. Benton basically goes yeah she's right
0: yeah Yeah, because I think Carter's basically (laughs) saying something about a Florida team and she's like people in Florida know nothing about basketball and Benton's like I agree with her and entire state just switches off (laughs) (laughs) and it's a a really cute moment Um, and then Benton takes Carter outside and they look at the films and we see it's her liver you know she's got issues and that's not good, you know. It's, it's different when it's like a kidney because you have two and one can yeah. operate and work, but with a liver, it really you know cuts yeah. everything down. And I mean, we could kind of see because T.C. is quite yellow throughout the episode. She's
2: very jaundiced. Yeah.
0: So you know, there's something obviously liver related going on, but it's it's really sad. Cause she's she's so young and yeah, so yeah. passionate.
2: Obviously. Any, any transplant at any time of your life it's its going to be a huge ordeal
0: yeah. and you're
2: kind of like you know you don't want kids to have to go through this and I mean mm-hmm. it's such is life but yeah. and she's so full of life that's it as well yeah. what, what's her one yeah. concern is I want to play in my tournament on Saturday and yeah. they're just like yeah. they're being nice but like there's like no chance you're playing in yeah. your tournament on Saturday yeah. Like,
0: yeah absolutely and it's you know we later we see Carter talk to her and basically tell her what's happening, and and it's again it's another sweet moment where he he really tries to make her feel better. You know you're gonna you've got chance, you've got time. You're gonna be upstairs. We're gonna really look after you, and it's it it's just a really nice little storyline for, for Carter because yeah. we I mean he's not in it. Him and Benton aren't really in this episode all that much. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah it's nice to see kind of them working together yeah they're a good then, team yeah and benton uh runs into an old friend al belay
2: oh Boulay. god i knew this is where this was going yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. um yeah and al's got a bit of a cough he has yeah he's oh, been
0: a
1: bit peaky
0: isn't he yeah it, it does begin he uh yes and uh, a weaver treats him you know weaver brings <sighs> comes in to be his doctor and talks to him about the flu, which he says it's less of a 24-hour one, more of a 24-day. You know, he's been suffering for quite a while with this. It's not looking good, really. Um, And Weaver even says to him, you know, do you know Jeannie uh, Kugboulay? And he's like, yeah, she's my ex-wife, which... uh, Oh, sorry. I just feel really like, this is a really tough start yeah, to a storyline. It is. And, um... it's, such,
2: it's so low key, the beginning yeah. of this. Yeah. Is so yeah. like, because we've only seen this version of Al Boulay, I mean, maybe two or three times in the season.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely um, that.
2: And Michael Beach is such a likable actor. Yeah, yes. As well. Um, those big
0: eyes, big puppy dark eyes. Yeah, yeah.
2: You're kind of like, obviously, yeah, Al Boulay has been a terrible husband, but he's just probably going to be a really good friend, you know? Yeah. And then yeah, so Jeannie sort of discovers him by accident. Weaver hasn't got a chance to speak to her yet Mm. and sees him there and like, she probably knows by glancing at his chart just from working in the ER, right, okay, what are the alarm bells going off here? Because she walks out of the room. They, they, They have a quick kind of hello and she says, oh, listen, I have other patients. And he's like, oh, I didn't I didn't come here to see you. I came here because I was sick. And she's yeah. like, okay, yeah. that's fine. So she goes straight out and very obviously walks past Peter to get to the phone oh, okay, to yeah. ring the, uh, in, the
0: lab. Yeah, she's obviously in distress. He kind of looks at, at her, doesn't he? He kind of looks after her a little bit like, "Oh, something's yeah. obviously going on there. And he knows Al is in the in the hospital too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and she, she kind of, she gets on the phone and she says to the, the, the people in the lab, you know, we're waiting on these films and, and it piques your interest because you're like, oh, okay, it's not just a simple cough. He's, mm-hmm. She's seen something and she's worried and terrified and angry. So yeah.
2: I nearly like, you'll never hear me say these words again, but I wish it had been cancer. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. it's something yeah. that maybe together they yeah. could work on it. It could be chemo but it's not cancer.
0: No. No. And, you know, later she's in the x-ray room just kind of looking at x-rays and Weaver comes in to talk to her. And this is, again, another human point. And actually Weaver is quite, she's very human towards Jeannie for the most part throughout, I think, and actually becomes quite a important support role with her, doesn't she? Um, So I think it's really interesting that, she was the one that kind of started this journey with, she really did start this journey with Jeannie and she tells Jeannie what Jeannie suspects it's, it's AIDS. Um, and and then she says to her, you know, have you been tested? And Jeannie oh, says, well, yeah. married people don't get tested. Right. And, and that, if you hadn't realized kind of the implications before is where you go, Oh gosh, That's oh gosh.
2: It. You're dead. Right. It's that one Cause you're like, oh my God, it's AIDS. And unfortunately, you've seen so many AIDS patients in this show that you're like, no, it's AIDS. Okay, that's all yeah. right. He'll be dead soon. It's this, it's this. Have you been tested? Oh my God, they've been married for 10 years.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. been cheating for a huge amount of that.
1: Yeah.
0: When did he contract it?
1: Could have been for years. Sorry. Yeah. She could, have passed it to Benton. she could have passed it to anyone. She could have, you know, passed it to patients, which is something that comes up later. I I I just wanted to pick up on on one of the things. It's about it's about how the approach to HIV/AIDS has changed over the years. Is that HIV positive and AIDS are interchangeable at this point in time? You're right. Because you know there are there's all the therapies that you can go on and things like that. And these days, HIV is so well managed that AIDS we don't talk about AIDS anymore. I mean it's it's end-stage HIV and And you're right yeah
0: and also when somebody I guess gets diagnosed with HIV back then it was like a death sentence Yeah, it's like. and now it's yeah it's terminal yeah and now it it, as you say you can manage it you can get your viral load down so low that you're not even infectious to other people you know we have come on strides since then Um, that's very
2: much a case of thank god and I feel like everyone should know this Undetectable in terms of viral yeah. load means untransmittable. Exactly. Yes. You manage exactly. it perfectly. It's you know it's something you will live with, not die of. Yeah. However,
0: exactly that. In 1995,
2: 1996, as you say. Now, thankfully, the the miracle drug came along in 1996, but it would have been after this storyline.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and still kind of a bit clunky, I imagine, with with how yeah. it was. given and i don't know how how people use you know medicines get better and better don't they and i imagine the first iteration is has a lot of kinks that needed to be worked out or a lot of kind of adjustments where that people probably now know how to manage a lot more of those um azt
2: which was the first medication really for was it was like going after a panel pin with a sledgehammer you know it absolutely ravaged the body to the point where You know, when they talk about the cure being worse than the the cause. Yeah. um, It was a bit like that. And it was quite toxic. It it was, as I say, and it kind of ties back into, yeah, look, we can manage this. But now, thank God, it's not that case at all. But so, yeah, when Al Mm -hmm. is then, he finds out in this episode. um, Yes. It's, uh, in fairness... We don't see her actually tell, she just walks into the no. room, she pulls the curtain across and it's in the middle of what is actually quite a heartwarming scene um, yeah. with uh, Loretta is in the bed. She's feeling a little bit, but kind of as, as good as you can. And uh, <laughs> Lydia and Al have been looking after the kids and Al is wrapped up in as many bandages as I think the hospital has. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a really heartwarming family scene. And it's so off. Jeannie comes in, literally pulls a curtain across that scene as like yeah. happy days are over. Al. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She is tasked with that to tell him. You know, he says, "Would you prefer to?" She says, "Yeah, I'll tell him. Don't worry." And then she says, "Yeah, we don't see it," which makes it all the more powerful. Um, and so that you know sets off a chain of events. Yes. That 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 we will obviously monitor and see what happens there. Mm, um, I want to just talk a little bit about Doug again. So he goes to see his mom. We see yeah, the lovely Piper Laurie, yeah. yeah. Um, and she knows straight away he wants money, um, and she seems very happy to give it. They have a little bit of a discussion, but then Doug says something that I find really strange. He says, "Don't you want to know what it's for?" And I'm like, well, what is it that you're planning to tell her? That you know, like more money—money to pay back the money Dad stole from his girlfriend, who I am now seeing. Like, how did you envision that storyline to go? Yeah, um, it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, and then again, it makes me wonder if he is. If there's a bit of a revenge in it because he kind of seems like he wants to talk about it. And wants his mom to know, Yeah, you know, if you didn't want somebody to know, you would, you just be like, can I have money? They say, yeah, you would just leave it. But he's like, well, why don't you want to know? Waiting for her to ask so he can pronounce it. And I think, you know, it's, it's just so weird. Um, and then later, you know, he got, he returns to Karen, the, you know, his mom's given him money and he, he gives it to Karen. And, and it's, she laughs because, he thought it was the twenty-five thousand, but actually, Ray has it's, run off with two hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
2: For what is essentially a scene confirming what a piece of crap his dad is. Yeah, it's actually it's probably their nicest scene together.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: It, you know what I mean? Like it's it's cute, it's funny, in a storyline that is incredibly grim and. Just, yeah, I realize how actually I realize how judgmental we're all sounding. Listen, just everyone out there, if you have an attraction towards your dad's girlfriend and you feel like you know what, I I, want to see how this goes, there's no judgment from us, guys. You, you do, you just do 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 not be upset if we turn around and say, all right, yeah, it's not how your dad does it,
0: yeah, exactly. That, yeah, (laughs) which Doug himself has said, as we said at the beginning of this episode. Um, and then we have Susan is continuing to kind of speak to, to the, uh, therapist, which I think I, you know, we, we learned some things. She talks about how Chloe was always kind of a be, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, what's the word kind of feisty and, and free and wild when she was young, whereas Susan was always kind of obedient and I guess Susan's probably feeling a bit resentful because she's been the good one all these years and she still has lost out and I think you're right I I feel like I was like okay we don't need as many of these I just I know you're sad about Susan uh, a little Susie and I don't mind you talking about that but I'm not really interested past that which sounds mean but it's true I just don't really want to hear about Chloe kind of
2: yeah, kind
0: of. Do, do you know?
2: Although Susan has a great line to describe Chloe in this scene. Yeah. She was, she was such. Uh, she was such a wonderful adult by age. Oh no, she was yeah. so good at being an adult by age nine, and so yeah. bad at being an adult by age nineteen.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's brilliant. It really encapsulates Chloe, and yeah, yeah it it it's great. There's also a really sweet scene between Susan and Green where they kind of meet for lunch. I don't know where they're meeting. It looks like Siberia. What is the coldest place on Earth. Yeah. They're like, let's sit outside and eat in huge coats. <laughs> okay. Oh,
2: yeah,
0: sounds yeah. great. Uh, and and see, Susan says to him, you know, like, I'm sorry to bring it up, but you've got to get River off my back. She's, yeah. She tells her how she kind of kicked her out and wouldn't let her do the intubation. And... And they do they talk a little bit don't they about about Susan and this is the first time we see uh Sue sorry little Susie The first time we see Susan kind of talking about it with somebody that is outside of the kind of therapist office and it, it just shows again that they have this that relationship they it's really building and showing yet she still talks to him okay her and Carol aren't really that friendly maybe right now but mm-hmm. she kind of still has has Dr. Green And then, I think we should talk about what happens with Carol, because this...
1: uh, Oh, yes.
0: Let's wrap up this Carol Shep storyline.
2: Please. please.
0: So, she goes to speak to the investigator, and she tells him what she says happens. It does not fit at all with what Riley has said, and also what would have... It would have been like, you know, it's really hammering home. She is lying here. And yeah. even in the face of this of the truth being set out to her, she makes a choice.
1: Yeah. Ooh.
0: And it's uncomfortable, I think, to watch. It is
1: really uncomfortable because the guy knows she's lying, but yeah. I guess it's two name, you know, two people against one with Shep and Carol, you know, teaming up and then Paul Riley left out on his
0: own. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder how much he knows about Shep and Carol's personal. Does he know anything about their personal relationship as well? Or is he aware of that? Because that to me would be a factor. Um, We don't know. Uh, And then later, you know, Riley comes in and he, he rightly shouts at Carol. He says, I heard Shep got off. Um, You know, I know you think, you're being like a good girlfriend, but he's a danger. You've, you've actually, you're doing him a disservice because he's a danger, but also he's not well, he has not been well for a while and he needs help. And you have basically prevented that from happening and put not only him in danger, but all the people he will be treating. Yeah. And I'm like, go on Riley. You know, you.
2: Have... This is where we come oh. back to Riley being a much more grown up. Yeah. Than we thought like, and it's, yeah. You know, he's right. He's blunt, but he's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly that. Um, and, and Carol is starting to feel it. You see that it is starting to kind of hit home what she's done. And, and she knows Riley's right. She does because she's seen the deterioration. She's seen all the almost incidents and now the actual incidences. And then Shep comes in at the end and he's all hyper because he's, um, you know, he's obviously survived this investigation oh goodness, it's been yeah. dropped yet yeah, he's so buoyant isn't he? it's like a little puppy dog and he no. giving sloppy kisses that oh, carol no. just does not want you know she's really she's not into it and he doesn't care he's just like i'm taking what i want i'm happy mm-hmm. yeah and then we kind of have this shot of carol after he leaves where you can see oh. that she's really possibly regretting her decision or she's at least really sitting and thinking about it
1: you think she's mm. checked out of the relationship at this point? I think she's just reached her limit to an extent. because yeah. she's good. so only about seven years too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're in a relationship, you know, you, you, your friends or in a relationship with somebody, you just reach a point where it's just it's over for you, it's over. And the more yeah. they're around you, the more it winds you up. Almost, I feel like that's yeah. how Carol was. She's was trying to pull that paperwork, and he's all, "Let's go to club, cool. let's go do this." She's like, pretty much going, "Look, the boys are outside playing basketball. Go, go play with them for a bit." like yeah. Like you would with a kid, like, exactly. I'm busy, go play outside, just run around mommy's, the garden. is like, you know,
0: busy, one. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go tire yourself out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so hopefully it is the, you know, the real nail in the coffin for this relationship and she cuts that tumour out of her life and goes on to be the beautiful Carol we know she can be. Yes, Definitely. Um. And then it ends with Susan kind of talking to the therapist, Mm -hmm. she talks about how she has this fantasy of Chloe and Joe basically calling up and saying, you know, can you have her and she says, yes, I'll have her forever. And then it kind of intersperses, it mirrors the beginning where you see her going about her daily life. And she talks about how each moment with little Susie was like a storybook, bit bit of a story. Mm -hmm. And then she says, and this was, this was for me quite emotional, she says, and I love my storybook. Um, and it was the first time I didn't feel alone in a really long time. And you think, yeah. yes, she's she's such a lonely character, isn't she? We know this. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have family. She has Dr. Green as a friend. But, you know, it, it's on and off, isn't it? She doesn't, It it's not like she has a, a circle of friends that help her. She kind of has, sometimes has Carol here, sometimes can talk to Doug a bit, sometimes can talk to Green. It's not a real yeah sense of a community around her and and then we see her go to the church and uh, the christening is happening and she leaves the stuffed animal that she brought for uh, little Susie's first birthday on the kind of on the pew um, and walks away and it's Mm. is that the end do you think? Are we going to see a different Susan who's not going to be so mopey?
1: Maybe so, hopefully sounds horrible but yeah, yeah, we just Please. yeah. We're going back to what you're saying about Mark and Susan. They do, you know, we've seen their relationship sort of change and shift, and there's been high points and low points. But I think what you're saying about Mark and Susan's right. He's always got. There's always a compromise with his time and his and his yeah. role in relation to her, as he's as he is sort of her superior. But same time, clearly they they get on like a house and fire, and they are probably you know some of the, one of the closest relationships in the yard. But it's always compromised by his time and his his yeah. energy and his, his his role
0: he's got a lot of responsibilities yeah. you know he has Rachel he has being the head of the ER he has all of that stuff kind of going on his divorce obviously we know that's kind of happening and that's an adjustment so yeah he's not always available to you know we saw last episode where Susan said oh are you free for dinner he said sorry I've just made you know I'm seeing Jen and it it I just really feel for Susan because I can, I, you just, I think you just really understand and feel it, yeah. what it is she is going through. And, and I think this is kind of one of those moments for her. Will it break her or will it make her, you know, will she be able to kind of rise from this or will this be the thing that sinks her? And, you know, yes. we get to, we get to see that, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's, that's was, the whole, there was a
2: Do you know I, what? There was a lot in this episode for what I thought initially was almost a lighter, but it really wasn't. No, no, I think
0: you're more. right. I think you're absolutely right. There was a uh, there was a quite a light moment though when the little girl came in.
2: Yeah, I was just
0: going to uh, say about that. She has Herman the hermit crab. She's got crabs. No, Herman the hermit crab. <laughs> and she's like eight. <laughs>
1: that is so dark.
0: I'm sorry. I love you. Although
2: she did just come in from the bus stop.
0: She did come in from the bus stop with a crab. Am I wrong? Hand, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that
2: is bulletproof logic.
0: Thank you. Um, I wasn't going being sexual. You guys, if you took it there, that's your own weirdnesses. I'm putting that out there now. Um, so she yeah, she comes in and there's this really cute moment where Dr. Green's like, oh God, we're gonna have to remove Herman, and she's saying, Well, I don't yeah. want him to die. But Iris has worked on a documentary and so she knows how to do it. Yeah. Um, and she basically puts the the hand in in water and the crab lets go. And she can go away happily with uh, little Lily, can go away happily with her little hermit crab Herman. And she's another E H I B E R. I don't really? know if you know this. No? Uh, that is Kyla Pratt. She is known for quite a memorable role in Friends. She's the girl who basically says, she's the girl scout girl who calls Ross a scrud. She also was in things like One on One, Dr. Doolittle, she's starred as Dr. Doolittle in Dr. Doolittle 3 as well, oh, um, yeah. when she takes on the on that, yes. Um, uh, lots of things, Sister, Sister, or just all kinds of things um, cool. that we know Kyla Pratt from. So that's another E H E I cool. E E R for me. I
1: must say, as a kid, I found hermit crabs to be the cutest thing, and I, I don't know why, but I just think they're really cool. The fact that they pull oh. themselves into shells and, and they shed them when they get bigger. And then I think I've seen a really creepy picture of some of you know how much plastic crap there is in the ocean. Oh, and yes. a, 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 a baby doll's head, and the Kermit crab has crawled into the oh, baby doll's that, head. That's and it, but horrible. It and it's just oh, like oh my
0: gosh. Ugh.
1: So on so many levels, so it's haunting because you know, yeah, little baby doll heads are always weird, and then there's yes. a crab living in it, which is weird, but then also. The destruction of our, you know, planet's oceans. On that other level, it's just what well, I. Oh, I there's it a
0: lot going on there.
1: There's a lot going on there. So <laughs> another EHbir, which is the um, the investigator David Haskell, played by Reg E. Kathy, who um he's been in a lot of stuff. So he's in Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Oz, which was a big deal. Um, the Wire, uh, Law and Order. Lotus i love
0: svu that is one of my
1: is it i, I don't want to get into it i feel like there's a lot to get into do you know what i mean
0: yeah there's i think there's 22 <laughs> seasons or something mad ah, like that yeah but that has been something that has been a con- constant in my life for a very long time and of course we you know mariska Hargitay, who is the star yes. of that will will appear soon oh
1: yeah she's so nice she's he's in house of cards he's also um i don't know if you picked I don't know if you're both 30 Rock fans, but he also played, um, just trying to find it. I had it just a second ago. He was also in Third Watch, which is in the same universe as ER, apparently. Oh, okay. That's cool. Because there's a a crossover. Where is it gone? This is really annoying. I had it just then. He played Brotherford T. Rice in um, 30 Rock when um, Tufa gets interviewed about oh, black men of achievement. Oh yes and, and Liz and this goes. Yeah, yeah. And it's just <laughs> yeah. There he is. And the episode Let's Stay Together in twenty ten, Rutherford Rice. And um Liz just makes an absolute fool of herself. But she, he's one of those yeah. people you'll have seen him in a lot of stuff. He was also in that absolutely awful uh, Fantastic Four reboot film, if you've uh, either watched that. That's don't... who he is. Yeah. Sorry, I
2: was talking about the it's like I know yeah. the name. I know the name. I know. Boom.
1: Thank you.
0: Which Fantastic Four? Which one? The newer ones or the old one?
1: Oh, the, the, de- Al- the Jessica Alba
0: Evans, or
1: no, not that one. He he was in the remake with um, Michael B. Jordan. Miles uh, Teller. Ah, uh, Miles Teller. That's it. And also Kate Mara. Um, Kate or Rooney Mara? One of the two. Kate. That's what A. A. Mara. Kate. Yeah. Is the younger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he plays the the adoptive father of of the storms. Um, so he's Michael P. Jordan's dad, basically.
0: Pretty cool. But... Yeah, oh, no.
1: pretty cool, but it's it's a terrible film. It's really depressing. It's just I have
0: never seen it, so Oh, yeah, Don't no, bother.
1: It'll, it'll make you feel sad. Yeah, yeah, Um
0: and I've got ER for that, so why would I need a film? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Very just watch season five, that's hard going. Um but yeah, then there's Gabrielle Boni who played TC, who is in um you know how I we keep finding these horrendous film titles, there was that one about yeah. feminists in the avocado jungle uh, just, yeah. just, just a statement alone. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could remember it verbatim because um, Gabrielle Boni who played TC was in this film in 2012 so quite recently called Sex Cells colon, The Great Nudie Donut Shop War I'm not okay, uh, overlooked so Oscar worthy classic
0: honestly Oscars, when are you going to get over your donut bias? I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you
1: uh, um, so weird. And then the mum who, who was a shaker, I didn't really recognize, but it just popped up, uh, Mary McCann. Um, I'm going to talk about AZT or AZT, as they call it in America, which is uh, what we mentioned earlier about um, about, about albulay, uh, which is actually called Zeno- Z- zidovidine, um, also known as, as the, oh God, azidothymidine, AZT. It's the antiviral, entry, antiretroviral medication used to prevent and treat HIV AIDS. So it's also used for preventing mother to child spread
2: or oh, after hey, needle yeah. stick
1: injury or the, so it's, it's kind of the, the stuff you get the day after, but it's usually put in with other things you hear about the triple cocktail, I believe is part of that, but the side effects initially were really, really, as we said early long-term higher dose therapy with AZT was sort of initially associated with side effects that limited therapy, which included anemia uh, neutropenia, which is, um, it, it reduces the amount of uh, neutrophils in the blood, who are, which are the white blood cells, hepatotoxicity. So basically chemical driven liver damage, cardiomyopathy. So um, disease that affect the heart muscle and just general myopathy as well, which is um, the muscle fibers don't work properly. So it results in muscle weakness. So the early, ver- you know, the early testing of it, like you said, was horrendous. Yeah. It was really, really grim but um, it's it's kept people alive and it's it's worked towards that that general um towards the goal of where we are now where there are those drugs that mean people have a full life and yeah. are at minimum risk of spreading it which is fantastic and that's
0: important so important exactly. about it, i guess as well yeah right Absolutely. and we're calling it thanks for listening to our podcast about everything KR. Don't forget you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at set the Tone Pod on Insta and at set underscore pod on Twitter. And remember, you set the tone.